Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show. Next up, it's Eyes Wide Open with Janessa and SJ. Let's bring them on to reintroduce themselves, the show, and what's up for today. Welcome to Eyes Wide Open. We are multifaceted beings living in a multidimensional existence. We hold the power of perception, and this power alone paints our reality. Perception influences the things we see and the things we don't see. Together, we'll explore the mystical and the material the metaphysical and the physical, the supernatural and the concrete, the seen and the unseen. Hi, I am your host, Janessa Finley-Ford, and I'm an empowerment coach and healer, and I guide clients who are primarily leaders, healers, and high achievers to turn their obstacles into outcomes, their setbacks into success, and turn their trials into triumphs. As they master the art, of being human. So today I am coming to you in a recording and I really miss out on the interaction. So if you guys have questions today, be sure to email them in. We will loop back to them on the next show. Your guys' questions are always so amazing and they really open up conversation to a different angle than what I planned for oftentimes what I would discuss. So don't hold back. Send in your questions. I love them. I love every single one of them. And even though I'm not here live, I still want to hear from you. And I still want to give you the clarity that you're seeking on these topics we discuss here. So today is a little bit of a mystery as to why I am here in a recording versus being live. It might be the most exciting day of my life. It might not be. It might be close to the most exciting day of my life. Getting married was incredibly amazing. So for me, it's hard to think that a day might top that. I want for you to join in predicting, guessing, identifying what is it that I could be doing today that is pulling me away from being live on the air with the News for the Soul family. So there is a Facebook post up regarding this. And for those who guessed correctly, I'll put your name in a drawing. I have a prize and I will mail you the prize. So I want to hear from you. I want to know what you think. I might possibly be up to. And then I'll be sure to share in the future, not only what I did, but how high on my of life experiences does it rank okay and I look forward to being back with you guys live next week and SJ will be here with me then as well so until then enjoy this recording about decisions so mastering the art of being human includes having to make decisions every single day Literally every single day, whether we get out of bed or not, sometimes we overlook the fact that we even have decisions about things that we are making decisions about. (laughs) And sometimes our decisions are just glaring us in the face, wondering what we're going to do, poking us, prodding us, 
activating us or maybe triggering us. And we just don't want to have to make the decision. So we're going to talk about decisions from all different angles so that you can make the most powerful and most aligned decisions for you that you feel good about. That truly sets you up for success. Before we get in, let me share with you a story. It really aligns perfectly with our topic today regarding decisions. And, you know, all of us have that thing that we really cherish. It's something we enjoy taking care of and um, having experiences with. For me, my motorcycle is pretty high on that list. My dog is really high on that list. For my husband, it's his vehicle. And so once once upon a time, there was one day, I'm driving his vehicle with him. And you guys all know, right? Like, just a reminder, if you're new to the space here, welcome. I'm so excited to have you. For those of you who have been joining us nearly every week or every week, you already know I grew up in the sticks. But for those who don't, to make this story a little bit clearer, I grew up in the sticks. And do you know what would slow me down in traffic in the sticks? Things like a combine, (laughs) like big equipment. Otherwise, the expectation is you just get on the highway and you just drive to the place and you go and you don't have to slow down. It's just your pace and you're probably not going to see a whole lot of people along the way either. Obviously, living in an urban area, it's a very different experience. There's lots of stoplights. There's lots of things to slow you down. And we'll save most of that conversation for another day because it's taken a bit of an adjustment. (laughs) And, yeah, it's been some decades since I lived in rural America. I'll just call myself out on that. So one of the other things we did not experience in rural Nebraska or Nebraska at all, whether it's urban or rural, doesn't matter. We do not have toll roads. So we're driving along, and by we, I mean I'm driving and he's riding, which is not the the norm dynamic for the two of us to begin with, especially in his vehicle. And there's the toll booth and there's trying to figure out GPS and which direction are we actually supposed to go because we were nearing our exit, but also because we needed the cash toll booth, there were multiple signs. And I just was so fixated on cash. I couldn't discern, is this the cash toll lane for this exit, our exit, the correct exit, the wrong exit, right? Like, I'm sure you all have been there in some form when you're driving down the road and you're just like, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap. What am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? And you get into that decision paralysis. And it's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to go. And so I ended up driving down. Like, I wasn't in the lane to exit into the cash toll booth. And I wasn't on the freeway lane either. There was an area of separation. And I'm just driving down this lane which I know was making my husband twitch really hard. And he was being very gracious and very kind. And I made the decision. I'm like going to the cash toll booth lane on the right and GPS will recalculate whatever. If it takes us longer to get there, 
it does because my, my Enneagram one do the right thing did not want to miss the toll. <laughs> like I just want to pay the toll and be done with it. I don't want to receive anything in the mail. I don't want to figure out how to go online and pay it. If there's another way to pay it, I just want to be done. This was a long trip. It was a long day and I just wanted some food, some water, and not any extra additives <laughs> to the trip. So that is what I made my decision on. I'm like, I just want to, I just want to pay and I just want to go on my merry way and be done and be off of this toll road and be done with the tolls. And so it was. But in the meantime, I'm driving along and do you know what the lane in the middle when you're not on the freeway and you're not in the cash toll lane? Do you know what's in front of you? I know you guys out there who have tolls commonly, you already know the answer to this. But to my friends in rural America, you don't. And the answer is the toll booth, the person, the booth, the building. You are driving toward the building. <laughs> and so this absolutely was not a comfortable situation for my husband and his precious just you know, that thing that he cares for so diligently, vehicle. Nope. Nope. But here's the thing. When we get caught in this indecisive place in everyday life, essentially it's the, it's the same, same situation. It just doesn't involve a highway and a vehicle and a toll booth. And we can get so fearful that we're going to wreck ourselves because it's just us and our mind and our body and what are we doing and the decision we're making. That's not about wrecking the vehicle. It's about wrecking ourselves. And we can get so caught up in, oh, my gosh, am I going to wreck myself that we don't move beyond the decision paralysis? This is resonating for some people out there. Now, depending upon your personality type, you're going to have an easier time making decisions or a less easy time. And we'll talk a little bit more in depth about this at the end. But Enneagram fixes. You're going to have a more challenging time making decisions, and you're going to want the input of all of the people. Enneagram nine, you don't want to make decisions any more often than what you have to. I feel you. I wing into my nine. I know that that is exactly what kept me in paralysis on that freeway for as long as it did. I don't want to make a decision, but I absolutely have to because I am the one manning the wheel. <laughs> now, our Enneagram 7s and 8s, they're much bolder and decisive. And typically, the Enneagram 3s, especially when it's doing things, are going to have an easy time making decisions around doing. Our Enneagram 2s are going to have very easy time making decisions around how they can help others and serve others. They're going to have a harder time making decisions about themselves and self-care and those types of topics. So it really depends for the two, if it's something external to them or internal. Our Enneagram 5 depends upon how much energy is going to go into it. They can be decisive and they can also be less interested in making a decision because it might take a lot of energy. Um, so that's just down the down and dirty of the Enneagrams. I know I didn't get into every single type. I don't like to belabor it too much for those of you who don't know the Enneagram yet. But if you know your type, hopefully 
you're in agreement, that's your experience. And if not, then there's something outside of your natural personality programming that's influencing how difficult or easy it is for you to make decisions. So I believe that there are two things that qualify a decision in being sound and aligned for people. And those two things are being certain and it feeling good. So, you know, you can make a decision, but you're not really sure about it. And so even though you've made the decision, it still lingers in your mind because you have that doubt and you have that questioning and you have that lack of knowingness and you're just not really sure, but you had to make the decision, kind of like me choosing the cash toll lane, right? I really wasn't certain if I was going where I needed to be going, if it was going to be the most efficient route for us, <laughs> but I had made the decision. And I felt good about it because I knew that if it wasn't the right, we didn't have to deal with the toll anymore and GPS would reroute us and we would still get where we needed to be. So, you know, if you charted this out with certainty and feeling good, you'll find that you essentially have four different ways of making a decision. You can make a decision, not feel good about it, not have any certainty. And that's a pretty crummy experience to have. You can make a decision, like I already explained, be uncertain but feel good about it. You can make a decision and be certain but not feel good about it. So I'm certain that I'm doing this thing, but I feel shame. I feel guilt. I feel um, I feel like I'm letting other people down, especially Enneagram 2s. If you make a choice to do something for yourself. So there can be feelings attached to the decision that might pull you out of your power. We're going to get into why having some discomfort with your decisions is actually really good for you. And it's actually a really positive sign. And if you've listened to me for a while, you might already know where I'm going with that. But that is truth and reality. So the why that it doesn't feel good is really, really, really important because that is going to be a big indicator of whether or not it's in alignment. And then the powerhouse of all powerhouses of decisions is I'm certain and I feel good about it. And feeling good, that's a topic to explore because the feeling good mean it was an easy decision to make? Does feeling good mean I feel confident in the decision I make and I absolutely know 100% without a shadow of a doubt, full guarantee it's going to work out for me? What does feel good in a decision feel like for you? Because that's not the same for everyone. And the reason why Having some negative emotions or some level of discomfort when making decisions is such a good thing is because that's when you're getting stretched outside your comfort zone. That's where your growth edge lies. That's where you're evolving. That's where you're rising up. The decisions that are so comfy cozy that it feels like you're wrapped in a nice warm blanket 
and they're super simple, are not the ones that are going to stretch you in a dynamic, powerful way. So this is really important to begin to understand how much level of discomfort can your nervous system tolerate and stand? Where in the discomfort scale do you begin to shut down? Now, there are some coaching worlds out there where, you know, it all starts outside your comfort zone. Let's go get uncomfortable as you can. Make every decision that's going to challenge you. There are coaches who are going to tell you to do one dare a day. I double dog dare you. <laughs> what are you daring yourself to do once a day that's going to push the limit? Personally, I'm a big fan of get to know yourself. Get to know your nervous system. Have those nervous system regulation tools, breath work, tapping, all of the things. Because then you're going to have a really good idea of where I'm uncomfortable, and this is a good uncomfortable, and I know good things await being on the other side of this, versus this is so uncomfortable. I'm absolutely going to move away from it. And if I don't, I'm going to shut down. I'm not going to be efficient. I'm going to be so caught up in the feelings and the mind drama that come, because usually they're married, friends, that I'm not actually going to be effective in executing the action the decision requires to be successful. you want to learn your nervous system. You want to learn how much discomfort and comfort can you experience at the same time. And that is going to help you make a decision that is super aligned for you and that keeps you in your power so you can move forward through it, not making decisions that are going to shut you down and set you up for failure because you're spending so much of your energy simply regulating your nervous system and trying to hold a balance that you don't have enough of your own inner resources available to take action on the decision and capitalize on the decision that you're making. Now, another thing we need to dive into in this dichotomy of certainty and feel good with our decisions is certainty because sometimes there's some confusion around certainty. Certainty is not commitment. I'm going to repeat that and then I'm going to explain it because some people I know, even when I first heard this, I had to go into critical thinking mode about this to question this and feel if this seemed true to me. Certainty is not commitment. And what I mean by that commitment you're not writing this decision to your grave no matter what. End of story. That's not certainty. Certainty can look like this is the best thing for me to do today or right now. And something else might be better in five minutes or five days or five years. And at that time that I know that, 
then I can choose to do something else. I can make another choice. I can make another decision. This is one of the hardest elements I had to grow into in talking, talking publicly, because the decisions that I made about what my truths are today, if I speak on them and they're not my truths tomorrow, are people going to think that I'm duplicitous? But this is how life works, and it even works this way with the decisions we make. So where we are right now, today, is where we are. It's right where you're meant to be. It's beautiful and it's glorious. And there's no better place to be. And you might grow or evolve or change or shift or alter course in 30 seconds from now. I applaud you. That's fantastic. That's what life is about. It's about learning and recalibrating. So certainty does not look like I am so certain about this decision that I'm never going to have to make another decision on this topic ever again. Certainty is right now. With all of the resources I have and all of who I am currently, am I certain about this choice in this moment? And you don't always have to be certain. Like these are not requirements that you only make a decision once you're certain. Hear me clearly. simply to get you critically thinking as you're making decisions so you can catch yourself with what you're moving away from when you don't want to make a decision about something. And there is a whole layer of trust to talk about in this conversation as well. So I mentioned earlier the Enneagram sixes. They're the beautiful question asking Enneagram. They're incredible to have a conversation with. They're engaging. They always know the questions to ask. This includes asking the questions about what they should do in their life versus thing themselves to make that decision. That's one of the biggest growth edges for the Enneagram 6 is not trusting themselves. Now, if you're brand new to the Enneagram world, I'll just share with you really quickly. We all have parts and pieces of the person, all of the personality types, all nine of them. It's just a matter of how much we express each one. So there are some people out there, and I know they're like, Janessa, preach. This is me. You're speaking to my soul. And there's other people out there that right now in this moment, you're like, yeah, I trust myself quite a bit. I think that sounds like it'd be pretty uncomfortable to be that. I'm glad I'm not. Cool. Is sometimes we get a little bit confused about trust as well, just like we get a little bit confused about certainty. So here's where we get a little bit confused with trust, and that to trust ourselves means that we know that things are going to work out unequivocally, amazingly, without error. <laughs> That is not trust, my friends. Now, on the other side of that spectrum, we can get confused about trust that we're wishing and hoping and praying, and we're going to call that trust. And because we call that trust, it feels a little bit empty and shaky and uncertain and wobbly, and it might tip over, and I can't stand on it. It's like a stool that's missing a leg, 
or is had one cut a little short? It might be fun to stand on it to sheer balance <laughs> for a hot minute on a not windy day. But if it's a windy day and there is a big blast of wind, it might throw your balance off center just enough that you can't trust what you're standing on to keep you upright. And it's really going to hurt when you fall. And the reality about trust is that I know I've got myself no matter what happens. I trust myself that even if this doesn't work out, I can compensate, I can learn, I can recalibrate, I can adjust, and I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to be fine. That is true trust. Trust is not that things are going to work out. Things are going to be easy. It's going to be the perfect path. Trust is the knowingness in yourself that you figured out 100% of the hardship, the whatever it is, that you've ever overcome so far in life that you'll overcome this too. If it doesn't quite work out the way that you're manifesting, predicting, expecting, working towards, right? So let's talk a little bit about hmm, not making decisions. Let's get into the reasons why. Why don't we make decisions? Because while underneath these things, the certainty and the feel good is something certainly to aim for, it likely isn't at the top of your mind when you're making a decision or faced with a decision of why you're moving away from or putting that decision off. So part of our, the way our brain works naturally, 80% of our thoughts tell us that we can't. So 80% of the thoughts that you have every day that just rapid fire those electric impulses cranking out tell you that you can't do the thing. And only 20% of those thoughts hold the belief and tell you that you can. This is where mindset work comes in so importantly. Our life experience, if we don't do anything to step in and say, oh, hey, brain, that's cute. I see you. I appreciate you. And I want to up that bar. And I want to up it to 30% or 40% or maybe even better yet, 51%. So 51% of my thoughts are telling me I can. Because then more of your thoughts are telling you you can than you can't. But if you simply sit and hold the truth, believe, go with the natural 80-20 ratio of your thoughts with the brain that you were born with, there's going to be a lot of decisions that you don't want to make because you're constantly telling yourself that you can't. And why would you want to make a decision of doing something that you believe you cannot do? That sucks. 
That's no fun. That's a bad day. <laughs> so we have to move the needle on the thoughts that we have supporting the journey that we want to be on, the outcomes that we want to reach. And it's also why the feeling is so important of being okay with making a decision and not being 100% comfortable with it. Because you know that if more of your thoughts are telling you you can't, then you can, the feelings those thoughts are going to create are not going to be our top of the chart, referring to Dr. Hawkins scientific vibration measuring emotion chart. They're not going to be on the top of that chart, the ones that feel good. So we have to have these tools. The tapping is a great place. You hear me say it all the time because it's something you can do for yourself. And it influences both the thoughts and the feelings. You actually get so much more out of tapping than just that. So much more. And that's why I'm always recommending it. Always. Always, always. About decisions that we put off. We typically tell ourselves one of two stories. We're going to put off this decision. So we're going to tell ourselves that I'm going to think about it. And think it over. Right? I need some time. I'm going to think about it. <clears throat> Well, we either go into obsessive mode and we think about nothing other than that, or we do the exact opposite where our brain deletes. It completely deletes that we need to make a decision about something. And early in our business partnership, and by early, I mean, you know, for probably the entire first year plus, as Shay is such a saint, this would be me. We would discuss something about our business. And I would say, I don't feel prepared to make that decision right now. Can we, do we need to make a decision today? Can we put it on the agenda for the next call? I want some time to think about it. <laughs> yeah, sure, she says. Oh, I put it on the agenda for the next call. And I wouldn't think about it. And I would drive myself crazy because then in the next call, if I didn't review the agenda ahead of time, which happened more times than maybe would be ideal, but it's how I roll into meetings usually. So it is what it is. And it, the topic would come up and I would want to crawl under my desk. And I'm like, I have it. I completely forgot. I completely forgot. I have not thought about it. And then there, like I said, there are the, on the other side are the people that that's all they can think about. And that hyper-focus takes so much energy. But you know what? So does putting off a decision and not thinking about it. The fact of the matter is every decision that you don't make, regardless of what your coping mechanism is to overthink or to delete from your mind that you need to be thinking about it, it's a leech of energy. It's like someone coming along. Like the analysis paralysis is essentially the analogy of me stopping on the freeway and someone coming along and siphoning gas out of my tank. But because I'm so caught in inaction, 
I don't chase them off. I don't do anything about it. And I have less fuel, right? It's the same thing. If you're overthinking the decision, it's like you're driving at 150 miles an hour and it's not very fuel efficient and it's leaching your energy too. Like all the decisions that we allow to stack up are like open tabs and programs on a computer. And your computer, the more stuff that's open, the more stuff that's running at the same time, slows down the efficiency of the computer. And the computer doesn't work very well. And you're trying to do something and you're click, click, clickety click on something and nothing's happening and you're frustrated. You might be yelling at your computer, come on computer, get it together. And then it catches up with your click, click, clickety click and it closes out what you're working on and then you're really frustrated. <laughs> yeah, I've had that happen lots of times. Well, putting off these decisions the same way, it takes your bandwidth. It slows you down. And then stuff gets all garbled up and other decisions and tasks that you're making, it, it's all, you fumble it. You fumble it all up. Just make the decision, be done with it, move on. Let it be clean. Keep the energy clean. Let it be easy. That's a decision for now. The decision can be revisited. Now, there's some reasons why decisions don't actually get easier with time when we think about it. Think about what I had said earlier about 80% of your thoughts tell you why you can't or that you can't. Now, if 80% of your thoughts are going to tell you that you can't about something that you're thinking about to try to make a decision on, the longer that you think about it and sit in those 80% of thoughts that are opposing to your desire, how easy is it going to be to make that decision? How much like quicksand are you going to feel like you're walking through? And the longer that it takes to make the decision, the more quicksand that's going to pull you down. We have to take the information of knowing how our minds and how our brains work and allow it to work for us. The other thing that works against us when we're going to have some time to think about the thing is this other amazing fact about our brain which is the fact that our brains are able to retain about 20% of the information that is presented within a 20-minute time span. 20 minutes isn't so long. I've mentioned this fact on here before because I specifically referenced our show is almost three times longer than that. So within 20 minutes, unless you're taking notes, unless you have pen and a paper, and you're taking away the key points, that speak to you, you're only going to capture 20% of 20 minutes. So then what are you thinking about when you're thinking on it? You're thinking over the 20% of the information that you can recall. Now, if you want to loop a spouse, a partner, a family member, a trusted homie <laughs> into the scenario, they're only getting 20% of 
20% of the picture. Unless you have notes, unless you're researching. Because that's all the more that your brain can capture to reiterate and to mull over and to share. I don't know about you, but for me, 20% doesn't feel like an informed decision to me. Here's the thing about being human. We have intuition, and I firmly believe my intuition never leads me astray. So when I feel into a situation, and I don't mean emotions, I mean that intuition feeling. How does it feel in my body? I have a pretty good idea of what direction I'm headed. But we have three intelligence centers in the human experience. The head, the heart, the gut. So I can rely strictly on intuition, but that's not my leading edge for making decisions, especially if the decisions are a sizable investment, a lot riding on the line, if it means a lot to someone that's really important to me. I'm not going to go with one-third of my intelligence. It's not how, that's not how mastering the art of being human works. We're going to go with 100% of our intelligence. What's our heart center say? What's our gut say? What does our head say? So we're not relying solely on the 80% of the thoughts that are telling us we can't. We're not relying solely upon, oh boy, this is pretty uncomfortable. That's really stretching me. And my heart is feeling like, whew, there's a lot here. There's a lot. My nervous system's getting a little stirred. And we're not relying solely upon our instinctive center. Because the wisdom of all three of those centers is incredibly valuable to allow you to make a decision with certainty, and that feels good in a level of discomfort that feels good. (laughs) That disclaimer is very purposeful. So if you are someone who feels a lot, tap into the logic. If you're someone who sits in the head center, And it's all of the thoughts. What's your gut say? What's that intuition? Nudge. What's your body say? When you feel into your body, does it get excited? Does it swell? Does it shrink? Does it feel heavy? Does it feel light? Use all of your intelligence centers. I often, when I have a decision... That isn't driving down the freeway and you have to make a split second decision when there's just a little bit of time. I will want to sleep on it. Always, always want to sleep on it. Just one sleep. Even knowing, believing wholeheartedly my intuition never leads me astray. I still want to sleep. One sleep. 
it locks in something in the certainty for me personally that lights me up and is my knowing. And this is the value of getting to know yourself. Knowing what is your timeline. When are you dragging something out for far too long for your natural rhythm? We've talked about rhythm and flow on here before. You can go back and listen to that episode. It's a great conversation to loop in in addition to decision-making. Because there is a pace and a speed for us where we excel. I've also shared and talked about how natural rhythm of my husband, he works amazing under pressure. He can sit and enjoy coffee, the day, a movie, and he can have a list of things. And he knows he's going to rock it. He's going to whip them out when he decides it feels right. For me, on the other hand, my natural rhythm, I will have the programming running in the back of my head of all of the things that I need to do while I'm sitting attempting to enjoy a cup of coffee because that's my rhythm. So knowing that within decision-making, decisions, the decision-making process, that's what I'm trying to say, is also really valuable. Because at what point are you going to delete, if you're thinking on it, at what point does your brain delete? I learned in observing myself that the moment that I wrote that item on the agenda and I knew it was going to get discussed again in the future, my brain deleted it. So then when I felt not equipped to make a decision, I would lean into why is that? Is it a true timing issue that needs to be honored? Or is it me trying to leave a tab running in the background of my computer that's going to tank my energy? And I found for me, it was such a habit. If this isn't critical to right now, I'll put it off. I'll kick the can down the road. Is okay to make a decision to not make a decision today. That's when it's aligned with the examples such as the timing isn't right. I'm making a decision to decide not to decide. And that cuts off that energetic drain. Not, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to put it on the back burner. I'm actually not going to decide because this isn't in my greatest good to decide right now. I'm not closing the door that this will never come to fruition. A great example of this is that last year, there's some wisdom in this too. Lean in. Listen. Last year in December, I knew I wanted to have a mentor, a coach, support, not family, not friends, but someone that would walk with me through this journey of this year by my side and that I wanted their support prior to Travis leaving. And I knew Travis was leaving in January. Hiring someone for the end of the year and before New Year's resolution is a whole nugget of wisdom all on its own that is super valuable. And I would strongly encourage anyone 
who feels like there is an area in their life that they want to develop and they want someone to walk with them through that. To loop in that support before the event begins. To loop in that support if your next year you want to do some big things and really capitalize, start in December. Don't coast in December. So I met this individual. My intuition told me this was the individual who I should have walk this journey with me. She has a very polarizing story. She's navigated many things. Her story is very, very different than mine, but navigated many of the same elements that I knew I was going to be approaching in 2023. And I met her, I believe it was in August. And I didn't think about it initially when I met her. I wanted to get a better feel because there were elements where we're very, very, very different. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. Can that support me? So while I had this intuitive nudge, my head was like, well, here are some reasons maybe not to. And then I worked with her in a course to get a feel for how she coaches, her style, and that intuition was reinforced. So at that time, I decided I'm not hiring her now, but I know that she is the one that's going to walk this path with me in 2023. And I'm not sure when I'm going to step into starting that coaching with her. Shout out to Nicole Mitchell. But deciding that I knew and I could let the time reveal itself to me was making a decision without making a decision. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, I did make a decision. I guess making a decision that didn't require immediate action. That might be a better way of articulating it, which is essentially making a decision to not decide right now. Closing that door, I didn't close the door and say, oh, well, I can't, do, I can't, I'm not starting right now. It's not aligned. So we're just going to shut that door and I'll find someone else. I'll find someone better. I'll, I'll find something when the time is right. So there's a way to be in really clean energy and not make the decision right now when that's the most aligned thing for you. But I caution you, you could be very much like me and just have a habit of not making decisions. Hello, all of my Enneagram 9s, <laughs> my Enneagram 6s, anyone who has a 9 wing, a 6 wing, this could play into your dynamics just from personality, like we talked about earlier in the show. <laughs> but if that's your personality, it doesn't have to be that way all the time forever. Our personality is not permanent. And when we get really curious with ourselves, when we observe ourselves, when we ask ourselves, why are we doing this? We receive answers. We just have to hold that curiosity. I have two more topics we're going to fit in here today before we get to the top of the hour and wrap it up. Possibility versus probability. Two very different worlds. 
two very different decisions will be made based upon if you're making a decision upon what is possible or if you're making a decision upon what is probable. And that is very much the difference between making a decision of who you are today based upon your circumstances, your skills, your ability, and creating more of who you are right now versus the decision you make when you choose to align your decision with what is possible, what is your potential, what is your potentiality, what is going to be a part of the future? Because you can't get where you're going if you only make decisions that have gotten you to where you are. You can't get to where you're going if you only make decisions in the way that you have made them to get you to where you are. There is a point in a time where you're going to align your decisions with what you want your future to be, that you make a decision based upon what is possible for you in the future. And once you take action, the universe will see that and it will respond. But if your action is to play it safe, to stay in the same rhythm and vibration and pattern of where you currently are, you're going to create more of where you are. And if you want something more, something different, then you're going to have to lean into the possibility and decide differently. Other things or elements to think about with possibility versus probability is that the possibility hasn't happened yet. You don't get the guarantee. You don't get that illusion of safety and security of knowing that it's already happened. That's where faith comes in, and it is required. Now, with probability past-focused. It is based upon what you've already done, what you know you can do. The odds are in your favor. And it's determined by what has already happened. This, to me, friends, is like Groundhog's Day, the movie. SJ, are you listening? This is two movie references in one week. This girl does not know movies, being me, me, this girl. If I watch a movie, which is really rare, I don't remember them. <laughs> and I've dropped two movie references in the last week. The other one was in our Stronger Together community, and she was so proud of me. So be proud, people. But back to the point, Groundhog's Day, you just woke up. It was the same day over and over and over and over again on repeat. That's what happened to the dude in the movie. That's exactly what's going to happen if you continue to make decisions based upon your probability of what's already happened what you know you can do. The last thing is decision fatigue. Sometimes we just don't want to make a decision because we've made so many decisions that we're completely exhausted, tired, and over making another decision. Pass, don't want it. Puke, sorry, not today, ever again. I experienced this this last year. Big time. My family wanted to meet and have a meal somewhere, and we were meeting, 
And they asked me to pick the restaurant and I was like, no, thank you. I don't even, I'm not interested. I'm not going to make a decision. I've been making so many decisions, like not manning that wheel too. You all can eat wherever you want and I'll find something to eat and I'll be thrilled and I'll be happy because I didn't have to make the decision. I'm so burnt out, wore out, sick and tired of making decisions. And there's a couple things that can cause decision fatigue. One can be not making decisions efficiently. So we might think we're making too, too many decisions, but we're not actually making them efficiently. We have too many tabs open on the computer that it tanks our bandwidth with, and that's why we get decision fatigue from all the decisions we haven't yet made. The other element, which was a factor for me, is being over-responsible. I had so many responsibilities for our family, and I had so many decisions that I had to make that I just got sick and tired of making decisions because I was over-responsible. I was responsible for things beyond just what I normally was responsible with within the dynamic of my relationship with myself. So when we're tending to so many other things outside of just our own personal sphere of responsibility, it is going to wear out your decision maker until it breaks down, malfunctions, and explodes or implodes. Because of that, SJ and I are diving deep into the topic of responsibility in our Stronger Together coaching community this month. It's going to be so powerful and amazing. There's a lot. There's so much wrapped up in family dynamics, the energetics that bind us to these patterns of being responsible, over-responsible, role reversal with a parent, if you had to take care of a parent, if a parent made you responsible for their emotions, we carry those things out in adulthood. And it weighs us down. And it wears us out. And you can free yourself from that. So if that speaks to you, if you're experiencing that, if you're experiencing it in your decision making and your emotions and your responsibility and your plate being overflowing and being stretched too thin, jump into the Stronger Together community with us this month and give yourself a gift of releasing that which is not yours to carry. You can join Stronger Together. The information's on the News for the Soul website. You can jump onto my website, www.fiercelyradiantsoul.com, and you can find the information to join or simply shoot me a message, and I'd be happy to answer any of your questions or get you the information. Just a reminder, Facebook post, what am I doing today? Drop me your guest. I want you to win a prize. I can't wait to meet you back here next week live with SJ. And until then, friends, keep your eyes wide open. Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show.